The principle is basic. If you lessen the burden on positive things such as productive work, risk-taking, and success, they will occur more often. Raise the price, and the opposite will happen. As Jan Jijin points out, the top 1% of income earners in America earn 21% of the income and pay 39% of federal income taxes. Buffett is equally obtuse on the subject of death taxes. He favors retaining them, believing that the government should take a big chunk of your wealth. Otherwise, your heirs might get it and the windfall could undermine their character and tempt them to lead lives of irresponsible indulgence. Perversely, though, death taxes punish capital creation and frugality. What's the point of accumulating an estate if a big chunk of it will simply fall into the hands of the government? As Vahan notes, wealth is what's left over after taxes have been paid. Our founders might have put the issue this way. No taxation without respiration. The death tax has a peculiar impact that Buffett and other supporters overlook. When rates are high, the very wealthy find ways to avoid them. Buffett's own tax liability will be low since he's giving away most of his money to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The truly rich set up elaborate trusts and other stratagems to keep their capital intact, and that usually means their heirs can't get their hands on it directly. The wealth is thus preserved. Without a death tax, most assets would pass directly into the hands of children and grandchildren, most of whom don't have the entrepreneurial instinct. Therefore, the money would be quickly recycled. That's human nature. Look, for instance, at the Forbes 400 list of America's richest. Today it contains not one DuPont and only one Rockefeller. Both families, 25 years ago, controlled formidable fortunes. Believers in high taxes studiously ignore history. The big Reagan income tax rate cuts of 1981 and 1986 turned a stagnant economy into the world's most dynamic. The U.S. share of global GDP went up sharply, as did the share of America's equity of the world's total equity value. Because Reagan wanted to win the Cold War, thereby rebuilding our dilapidated military, and because Congress was, as usual, addicted to domestic spending, federal outlays mushroomed and the national debt went up $1.7 trillion. What skeptics refuse to recognize is that the wealth of the nation during that period went up $17 trillion. There is not a CEO around who wouldn't gladly exchange $1 of debt for $10 of equity. The Clinton tax increase of 1993 sharply slowed the growth of the U.S. economy and contributed to the Democratic rout in the 1994 congressional elections. With Republicans in charge of Congress, taxophile President Clinton was concerned. His wife's socialized medicine scheme went down in flames. Spending was restrained. And, most important, there were positive tax moves. The capital gains levy was cut almost 29%. Capital gains taxes on homeowners' primary residences were virtually eliminated, and a moratorium on Internet taxation passed into law, which contributed enormously to its rapid development. The Bush tax cuts of 2003, the capital gains tax was cut again, the personal dividend tax was slashed by more than 60%, personal income tax rates were reduced, and incentives for business to invest were put in place, turn the U.S. economy from only 1% real growth to a 3% to 4% growth rate. Between 2003 and 2007, the growth of the U.S. economy alone exceeded the entire size of the Chinese economy. 
And guess what? Equities boomed, almost doubling from their lows of late 2002. Vahan points out another area where Buffett is short-sighted. Earnings guidance. Most large publicly held companies give security analysts ranges of what they think earnings will be for each quarter. If companies miss the range on the downside, even if by only a penny a share, their stocks often get clobbered. Buffett feels this kind of guidance contributes to stock market volatility and forces management to be too short-term oriented. He has persuaded companies where he has large stakes, such as Coca-Cola and the Washington Post Company, not to provide guidance. Vahan gives a very persuasive, sophisticated rebuttal. Investors will make estimates anyway. Moreover, management should be providing more information to investors rather than less. As to volatility, studies have shown that companies that don't provide...